Yeah, no, you're 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 right about that, and that is the argument that should be framed up. It's the same way Mike Moore over at the Thomas Paine podcast always puts it. You know, the haves versus the have-nots. You know, that yep. actually Saul Linsky popularized that stuff, and he came from the left. But that's why that's how you have to frame these arguments when you're trying to wake up other people, especially those that don't even watch the news, you know, even mainstream news. Uh, maybe they see some stuff in their Facebook feed, but that's how you have to frame it, that it's the little guy versus the big guy. And that's how you can start to get people over on your side. And the way that you do that is perfect. If you go, if you tell a waitress, like you said, every time someone's using their credit card or using, uh, uh, you know, even their debit card, in a sense, you're paying a, a 3 to 4% transaction fee to the big guy, to the big banks. That's that's a yep. great way to put it. Because as you said, if you roll back to the George W. Bush years, there were a lot of people that identified as conservative who were tricked into, brainwashed into, supporting the big corrupt corporations, big pharma, big tobacco, the big banks, big oil even. We were all just blindly mm-hmm. going around going, oh, the left hates big pharma, so I love big That's pharma. Capitalism. That's capitalism. That's <laughs> capitalism. Yeah. That's just the way it is. Yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden, what happened when all the big tech guys started throwing you off of Twitter and Facebook and everything else? It got used against you. All of a sudden, they said, hey. That's big tech. They're private industry. They can do whatever they want. They can throw you off of the internet. And so, you know, but that yeah. is the fight. That's the way I think you do it. That's it. And that's a really important one to tell people. Every time you do that, this guy, this little bagel shop, this little coffee shop, this little last of the privately owned gas stations <laughs> has to give up 3 to 4% that he doesn't get to bring home to put food on his table to the big banks. And then if you throw in there, by the way, these bankers, they have immunity and they don't even pay taxes. Uh, that will blow people's mind. Because I, I don't yeah, think and- the vast majority, I, I mean, I, even in your circles of friends that are educated, do you know many people that actually know that? They didn't know that. I, I mean, most people didn't even hear about the uh, big pharma vaccine company immunities uh, from going all the way back to the 1980s. They didn't hear about that until COVID landed the high school theater production. And I bet you still, as much as you want to believe people know that because you saw it in the feedback loop echo chamber that you're in on Twitter or Facebook, I bet you 99% of people still don't even know that, that the vaccine companies have immunity. Because I hear people all the time. The 1986 act, there's even a documentary on it. Yeah, no, but I, I see people in my regular life that, that went and got vaccinated because, I don't know, they were going to get fired, and then they say to you, like, you know, I'm gonna, I, I should sue these guys. I'm like, you can't. They have immunity. What do you mean they have immunity? I'm like, oh, wait, where have you been the last three years? You don't even know this yet? I mean, there's so many people, they just don't know. They just don't know. And for those, for those that also don't know, you know, the current administration at the time put the vaccine, the COVID vaccine, under the PrEP Act. Go look up what the PrEP Act does. It gives immunity to all the medical facilitators issuing the injections. Not Big Pharma. That's the 1986 Act. So not only is Big Pharma, Pfizer, immune from the injections, so is the hospital that gave you remdesivir or the injection so is if you got yours in a walmart parking lot whoever that was administering it when you stuck your arm out the window so is cvs so is walgreens all of them they're all immune yeah and and i've 
And I, and I had conversation. Uh, I had my father on here. He's been a cop, and he's been a private investigator for over 40 years. Has worked on a lot of big med malpractice cases and everything. So I had him on, and I asked him about this. I've talked to legal man for the podcast, The Quash. He's been a lawyer for 40 years. And I've asked people like that, you know, from a lawsuit side, uh, because, you know, Maria Albanese wanted me to push them. She's co-host of the Thomas Paine Podcast on Fridays to ask, okay, so say can you sue everyone from your work like if that girl in hr wrote you and said you're going to get fired if you don't get the vaccine but anyone from the legal profession will tell you well first off you have to have damages okay so are you dead do you have cancer then you have to get a doctor who's actually going to testify and can prove that your cancer your stroke your myocarditis came is caused by the vaccine right which how are you ever going to really prove that? And first off, there's enough plausible deniability, right? Yeah. And those doctors that you're going to need to testify to that are probably the same doctor that gave you the jab or told you to get it. They're all controlled by the American medical association or other associations. They're all licensed by the government. So you have to be able to build this case. So like my father said, I just don't ever see it happening, you know, and legal man said, you're never going to find a lawyer who's going to take the case because unless a lawyer sees big money at the end of that rainbow, big pot of gold, he's not going to do it because he's the guy in a uh, personal injury case or a medical malpractice case who's got to invest all the capital. And my father has a lawyer he's worked with for years, a friend of his who does major med malpractice cases with 20, 30 million dollar settlements. That guy lays out one, two, three million dollars out of his own pocket to fight these cases that usually take 10 years before there's even a settlement so unfortunately i don't like to be dark about it but i don't like to give people false hope when you talk to the experts in these fields they're like it's it's just not going to happen like legal man said maybe yeah like he said maybe you'll get sort of a tv lawyer who does it for fame or publicity or something like that he might bring a case here and there but he said but th- those are things that are going to take 10 years to work through the pipeline they're not it's not realistic it's not helping anyone at the street level that's why i don't spend a lot of time in the show talking about covid land i, mean, I think mike does a fantastic job of it he's fought that stuff for three years but for me my position on that also is that sort of what's done is done. If you got it, mm-hmm. you got it. The damage is done. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. And, and and I don't like to sit there and go, oh, this guy got cancer because he got the vax because I can't prove that. I don't really know that right. for sure. Um, all right. So now you had this, Jim, that you said was from yesterday and you had some secret information that you wanted to share. Uh, this, you know folks, how this the, is the Bank uh, for International Summits. Chart- Oh, yeah, just for the, the CO2 oh. chart. We No, yeah, this is BIS. Okay. okay. Um, so remember with the CO2 chart that I started asking questions like how did they measure CO2 in 1750? Right. So you, when you look at these charts and graphs and you think about them, you got to ask questions, right? So if you can make that a little bigger so I could see it. We're looking at the graph on the left. The use of cash and daily transactions is falling. Okay. So, go back to what Augustin Carsons, who is the current head of the Bank of International Settlements, said. Yeah, that's good. Right there. He said in 56 seconds, uh, when he was on a panel, again, this is not open to the public. It was some panel that they were talking about CBDCs. He said, well, 
if somebody uses a hundred dollar bill we don't know where the money was spent but if if it's a hundred dollar cbdc not only do we know exactly where the money was spent we can control it on where it's spent and how it's spent okay think about that <laughs> so if i take i show i held up two 100 bills in yesterday's show saying that's my farmer's market money for this weekend so i'm going to go down to the farmer's market tomorrow morning assuming the farmers are there it's not for you know it's new year's i'm, I'm not sure some of them may not be there and i'm going to spend money in cash buying food produce and, and maybe some eggs and meat okay i have a question this chart on the left how did the b how is the bis gonna know that that transact those transactions took place to figure out this chart well they won't they don't know that it took place technically speaking so right so of all the cash transactions that occur around the world you have to assume that a large portion of them never get reported by the recipient or you know the farmer or whoever is accepting the cash because they don't want to pay taxes on it correct or whatever yeah, the reason is for not well, reporting it right well that, well yeah and any so, and anyone and anyone that you know that's been in you know a cash business like that for years i i mean i know a lot of people that did tricks so they would buy whatever goods they're going to sell in cash that they're going to sell for cash and that's the stuff that doesn't get reported everything that gets moved along the supply chain right. in cash then everything that's on the books you know credit cards debit cards checks things like that yeah they're using their pos system you know yeah. at the store or whatever yeah that's that's electronic goes right into their quickbooks goes right into their their cpa and gets yeah. reported and i'm so not telling know people large... to do this or, or, or violate the law but i'm telling you to do this no, it just happens that, right it, yeah, i mean yeah. people do it right so yeah. how in the world did they come up with these numbers on the left on on what percentage of transactions daily across the globe are in cash when they actually openly admit they can't track cash they have no idea where it was spent exactly and the other thing jim is unless okay because they're talking about use of cash in daily transactions uh going up or going down right because i was going to ask yeah. you this one uh, unless the cash so wherever you got the cash let's say you took the cash out of the atm or out of the bank right so they know now that cash went into circulation it's floating around out there they know it's in your hand but they don't know where it ends up after that you could have handed it right off to somebody you owed your your uh, girlfriend money or you gave it to your college kid or something nobody knows where it goes until it ends up going back into a bank account right so that's how they could judge how much is actually in circulation uh is that is that how they could come up with that number if they yeah, say so, two okay, trillion I bills buy, are in I circulation I, tomorrow i go buy salad uh from a to a, from a farmer i hand them cash is the farmer going to report that no that's what i'm saying so either the farmer folds it up okay. into but his bill fault but he it, puts it, it in his pocket matter. and then he may spend it the it next day or he's hoarding cash it, in it, a doesn't, safe, right? it doesn't even matter the farmer even if the farmer goes and deposits it in their bank how do they know that 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 money that i gave the farmer didn't come from a safe in their house that they've had for 10 years versus a transaction that occurred on Saturday, December 31st.
Well, I, well, that's what I was going to ask you. The only way they ever know. know, the only way they could ever know how many actual physical paper dollar bills are in circulation is to know how many they imprinted, printed and how many are sitting in a bank. Like if it's in a bank vault at your local J.P. Morgan Chase, do they consider that to be in circulation or do they consider that to be in their hands at that point? How does that work? Do you know? Mm, I don't know. Technically, I don't know. Yeah, see, I there's mean, no way there's no way they're tracking daily cash transactions as a percentage of total transactions. Uh, it, says, it says it's a percentage of retail transactions right there. No, yeah, because I was going to no say the, old, the, yeah, the only closest way they can ever get that is, for instance, like big grocery stores, department stores where people use cash and that goes on the balance book through the POS system as actual physical yeah. cash. That's the only way. But I guarantee if we added it all up, that's probably only accounts for 50% of transactions because they don't know what the other transactions are. When you go to that <laughs> farmer at the, at the, uh, um, at the farmer's market this weekend, or I go see yeah. farmer Carol and I hand her 50 bucks to buy, um, you know, 10 cartons of eggs or whatever, they don't know that that transaction even happened. It's not no. reported. So how did they come up with that chart? So, Well, that's what I was going to say. The only way they could ever pull this is they made from it POS systems that report if it's cash, which is only a percentage of all transactions. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so that goes to show, again, just like, well, no, this one's even worse than the trickery of the 1750 chart this one's worse because they're just inventing this one from nothing <laughs> the other one could have been real data they just manipulate how it looks when it's in uh, graphic design form this one is just completely invented yeah now maybe that chart's correct if you're looking at cash transactions at at you know some re retail transactions at places of business that have a pos system but there's lots of businesses that, A, don't have a POS system, or if you transact in cash, won't put it into the POS system. Well, well, and this is how you know it's a lie. How many transactions a day do you think are going on in your county that originate off of Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist? Now, I'm someone, I don't do it as like a business, but I have some older antique furniture and sometimes I get bored of yeah. it and I sell that. And sometimes I'll make a couple bucks to buy something else and I just flip it like that. Uh, or I buy things from people sometimes that are selling used stuff because I go, hey, you know what? I'm not going to buy that new. I can get it for 50% off, like some of this baby stuff, right? That you're going to get rid of in three months. Well, I either transact in cash. Sometimes people want to transfer usually in Venmo, right? But it's majority cash, and everyone loves it. Like, if I go, hey, you're selling that for 30 bucks. I could come pick it up right now. Would you take uh, 25 cash? Yo, definitely. So how many of those transactions are going on every day in this world that are not accounted for? We had a plumber. We had a plumber come out and do some work, um, I don't know, a couple of months ago. And uh, it was about $1,000 worth of work. I said, um, I said, well, I can pay you in cash, check, or card. Which do you prefer? He said cash. <laughs> okay here you go yeah so there you go so that didn't get reported onto this use of daily cash so for them to say that the cash transactions are going down what they're probably referring to and this would be clearer and make more sense that the use of cash in daily transactions 
being reported to us is falling. <laughs> exactly. That's pro. That's pro. That means people are getting smarter. That's what's actually happening. <laughs> but but see, you know what that yeah. chart could actually well that chart could actually prove to you exactly what you brought up yesterday and a couple other shows and some other guests have is if when they attempt to do this that what will happen is what always happens when they try to do this naturally and we're not even talking about this being orchestrated or all of us agreeing on this in committee naturally black markets will form because bartering will begin if you're going to try to restrict trade there will be people that work around the system and you don't have to coordinate with other people to figure that out just common sense somebody goes screw these guys i'm going to start selling uh, bread on the side for cash like I, i'm not if you're going to force me into one system that i have to operate in i'm also going to have a cash system that's how i'm thinking and a lot of the people on the show are thinking we need to start doing it and that's the only way you can beat them at this game yeah. From time to time, we go to, you know, we'll go to yard sales. You know, if we don't really have a lot going on a weekend, we'll go to yard sales or estate sales and see what we can find. We pay cash. You think that's reported? No, definitely. Not. That, <laughs> hey, I'm glad you brought that up, though. That's great. So one more time, I'm just going to put that on the screen so people can see. This was use of cash and daily transactions is falling. But as he says, how do they know when they openly admit the big bankers, banksters, they, the economic terrorists cash. openly admit they can't track cash, which is one of the reasons why they want central bank digital currency. Because as Bo Lee has said, it's not just that it's programmable and expirable. It's also that they can track everything down to the last cup of coffee that you're buying and then give that data to the so-called commercial banks so they can run real-time credit scores on you. And I told you, when Bo Lee's talking about that, because he relates it to his work at Bank of China, he's talking about a social yeah. credit score, not your freaking yeah. credit score here in the United States. And he says... And then they could run these credit scores on you and decide to offer you services and stuff. It's going to be great. Now, yeah, in real time, the offer of the service is going to be what they take away from you because you're not complying with the government. <laughs> right. It's insane. And, and I think the social credit score is already here. Um, you know, I don't have credit card debt now, but um, I guess it was a little over a year ago. Kelly, my girlfriend, had she had a little credit card, and um, we just happened to look at the statement. And on the bottom of the statement, it said what her social credit score was. And then it said in a really small print that the cal the way they calculate, that bank calculates the social credit score is proprietary. Huh. That's interesting. We can yeah. arbitrarily figure it out the way, however we want. And you can't question it. Well, it's funny because over in they're already Poland, doing it. They're already doing it, basically. Well, yeah, yeah, and over in Poland and some European countries, they actually never had a credit score the way that we do. Um, yeah. And so now they're starting to roll out measures going directly into the social credit you, score. Who needs a credit over. score when you don't pay? You know, uh, somebody shows up at your door and whacks you in the kneecaps. <laughs> yeah, but that, but yes, now well that is how it works there. And also, if you screw over <laughs> companies, the government actually comes after you. So like, if you don't pay your landlord, so the police show up and hit yeah. you over the head. <laughs> yeah, or you don't pay your loan on your treadmill or something. So. <laughs> But yeah. now they're moving right into the social score system. And I went over it here on the sh for a couple of episodes showing, you know, also social credit scores being backdoored. We just think of it through the 
financial system, but it's also being backdoored through Facebook and Twitter and everything else. You're, you're being assigned scores. You know, Instacart and all these people rely on these gig companies to make money. They're running a quote-unquote social score on you at all times. People wake up and their mm-hmm. account is shut down. They go, why did that happen? I go, I don't know. What did you say on Facebook last night? I mean, what do you think? They're not all sharing data between each other? <laughs> of course they are. And they don't you have know, to tell a you. Couple of years, yeah, yeah. So this is wild with uh, when DoorDash really kind of got going down here in our area. My daughter got an account. You know, she she, she works. She's a waitress, and you know, she volunteers at um, for an internship for for school. But um, she had a DoorDash account. And oftentimes, she was home. She'd be bored. She's like, "Hey, can we go out DoorDashing? I'll make a little bit of money." So I would drive her around, right? And we did something we did together. <laughs> it was just wild. We're like, we're delivering. People would order like seven dollars worth of McDonald's uh-huh. from DoorDash, and it's so now it's like fifteen bucks plus a tip, right? Yeah. Instead of seven, and we're driving like a mile away, <laughs> and we're like, we're like, question, what the heck is going on? Well, then you realize, you know, it's some young people and they're high as a kite, or they <laughs> <laughs> drunk off their ass, you know, falling off the porch. They were just hungry. It's crazy. They couldn't drive. It's yeah. wild. It's it's the weirdest thing in the world. That, like you have all these people uh, that are like down and out, delivering food to people that are down and out who should not be spending. Like you said, it's nuts. Like they order seven dollars worth of McDonald's, and by the time it's dropped off, it's twenty nine ninety five. You're like, what the hell? Like, what are yeah, you doing? Yeah. I mean, we had this one. Uh, the stories we have from just doing that, it was fun. It was a good bonding time for her and I, right? But there, there's this one house we went to. It was a really nice neighborhood, big house. And the lady the lady had, uh, it was like Chick-fil-A. My daughter had gotten like a $10 tip before we even showed up to the house, right? Well, the lady comes out and she's like, oh, my son just started DoorDash. And I thought he would be automatically delivering it. So I gave the $10 tip. But keep it anyways. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's it's insanity, man. I I saw it all at the beginning of COVID Land, the high school theater production, like the Chick Fil. I've told <laughs> stories like the Chick Fil A in Nashville. There would be like a hundred people out there, and you're like, "What's going on?" Like COVID had everything shut down. It was all delivery drivers for like DoorDash and yeah. Uber Eats out there. Everyone was doing it back then. It, it, it was. I mean, we live in and this is when I was like, "Man, we do. We are living in Mad Max." What the hell are we talking about when Mad Max comes? We're in it. There's literally people lined up outside with their own cars, waiting at Chick-fil-A for an hour and a half to pick up two little burgers and deliver them to somebody so they can make a $3.40 tip. Like, we are in hell. We've already reached like that point. This, that's like, uh, well, one more DoorDash story. We, we delivered four milkshakes to this one house. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping it was for, I'm hoping it's for the kids because the lady that answered the door did not need a milkshake at all. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, but what you just said about waiting in line at Chick-fil-A for your own order, I can't remember if we talked about this off-air or on-air, and we'll finish on this because we didn't get very far. But anyways, um, I was in Target for the first time in like two years uh, getting some stuff before Christmas. And I go to, I go to you know, pay, and there's a line with like a roped-off area, and there's this long line of like 30 people waiting for the self-checkout. And the line for an actual uh, cashier, which they had four working, was like two people. 
And somebody was there, like, directing, like, which cashier to go to, you know, number six, number four, yeah. or whatever. So I walk up to the cashier line, obviously. And by the time I walk, <laughs> walked up to it, as I'm observing the other long line, the other two people were gone. Three cashiers were open. So I go right in, pay, and walk out. Those people had to been waiting 30 minutes for to do self-checkout. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> we live in crazy times, my friend. And don't worry the jab has nothing to do with that like the way those people think right. but no i i think it was i we talked about it on the phone i think you were right like someone else had said to you yeah they're all waiting in self-checkout because they're going to steal half of the items <laughs> they're yeah just, they go through well i told the story at dinner and somebody at the dinner table uh we you know we had a big family dinner uh, uh that night and told the story and somebody said yeah they're just going to steal half the goods i'm like oh maybe that's why they waited half an hour and yeah, yeah, we were talking, and that probably is going on. But you, you said, I mean, it makes sense because you said you've heard from uh, what, so like the way the insurance policies are written now that the stores are just claiming all the law, all the stolen. Well, goods. Mike has said that on his show. Mike said it on the on his daily show that uh, they get reimbursed a hundred cents on the dollar for for those goods at the store uh, from their insurance. And um, I guess it was about a year and a half ago. I was in a, a large grocery store chain in, here in the south. And I, I kept noticing, like, I would go in there, like I said, to go get, you know, broth or bananas or whatever, a few huh. things. And I kept noticing, because I never need a cart. I only need one of those little handheld baskets, because yeah. I don't get much there. And I kept noticing they were always gone. And then when I'm walking around, I don't really see anybody carrying them. So I was wondering what happened to them. So I go in to get bananas or something real quick. And there was a lady walking back from where all the registers were, carrying one of those handhelds, a couple of those handhelds. And so I asked her, I said, oh, thank because there weren't any, you know, where they're supposed yeah. to be. So I asked her, what, what's happened to all these handheld baskets? And she just goes and tells me what's really happening. She goes, well, you won't believe it. You won't believe it. The people walk in here and they come and they fill these baskets up and they just walk out <laughs> without paying. Yeah, the it's other just, thing. She's telling me this. The story how one time she chased a guy out and he like grabbed her by the throat and pinned her against the, the wall, the building and stuff, and then ran off. And so the big corporate, you know, bosses had told the stores, don't even go after these people. Don't even prosecute them. Don't do anything. So it goes back to what we're seeing now. This was now this was 18 months ago Yeah, that, yeah. I, that I heard this. It's more in the news now. But she's saying, yeah, they're just walking in and walking out with the baskets and the food. That's why we don't have any baskets. Yeah. No, this uh, manager, when I was in Nashville, ex-military guy, big, tall guy, about your size, 6'5". He was, like, uh, retired in his late 50s. Uh, and he was a store manager at Kroger. And he got in a fight with a guy stealing stuff. Like, he literally he approached the guy in the store. He was filling up a cart, but he saw him on video shoving all kinds of stuff under his jacket. So he approached him in the store, and he goes, listen, dude, come on. Like, this, you're not going to walk out with $500 worth of stuff. And the guy swung at him. So he ended up in an actual brawl with him, and the, they fired the manager immediately. And this guy had been with them for, wow. like, seven, eight years. They told him, you know the deal, man. You don't approach shoplifters. You let them just do their thing. So that's wow. the world we live in, I guess. So what the point being, Jim, you can yeah. use all the cash you want at the local farms, or you can go down to the grocery store and take whatever you want for free. Now, does that count as a cash transaction, or how do they actually work that into the VIS charts? <laughs> does that boost the retail transactions, like with credit cards? <laughs> you yeah. walk out? <laughs> yeah.
Does it even know. count as a retail transaction? How does I, I don't know. I don't but know what you're it to the point with now. the brawl thing, right? I mean, we've we've all seen videos of these crazy lunatics yeah. fighting like the McDonald's cashier register person, you know, like climbing over the counter and wanting to fist fight the cook. Yeah, I, I mean, this is this is the, where the cities are going. Okay, oh, big time. well, and big they time. want everybody to move to the cities, right? So yeah. maybe it's time to start looking at smaller towns because if that crap happened in a local grocery store in a small town. I don't think the person stealing the food would have walked out of there without bruises. No, exactly. And that goes to the point, or like the you said, well, that's, and that's what you said that comes from Catherine Austin Fitz and others is know your sheriff. So if you live in a smaller county and you know the sheriff, you know the police department, I mean, that's how you, and the sheriff's departments are usually generally way better than the police departments because the police departments oh, in yeah. cities, the police chief is appointed by the mayor. So he's a political person. He's going to go with whatever the mayor wants him to do. The sheriffs are elected. So you have a little more control over those guys because they have to run for election. I mean, the, the sheriff in this county is really good. And I happen to be in, in Maryland, which is a commie state, but this sheriff uh, does his own thing and somehow he keeps getting reelected. Now, now my guess is because this area is becoming overpopulated soon this guy will be driven out because he's one of the last like conservative actual sort of law and order sheriffs yeah and he's not a ball breaker like he he does his thing and he fights actual crime so we'll see all right jim uh have a wonderful weekend you're going to the farmer's market tomorrow uh, use that cash. Those are counterfeit bills. So Jim makes those and he sells them over at my new store. <laughs> no. No. Dustin's firing up uh, gold bullion. He's going to be melting it down and, and creating gold bars and I'm creating counterfeit bills. We got exactly. a whole racket going. Yep, that's it. It is. That's what we're going to do. Jim's going to be selling Monopoly money and uh, I'll be doing gold. Fool's gold bars actually sold at full spot. <laughs> price all right ladies and ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for listening i will be uh doing shows over the weekend as well i've got an interview tomorrow with a guy with a ton of science experience i don't know multiple degrees he's going to come out and talk about the magic of dna ladies and gentlemen and uh, all the years of him being on the religious side and then on the science side and he's going to say that there, there is no way that dna just came about by accident it just couldn't happen the way that people claim it does so we'll get into that as we talk about the artificial intelligence personal jesus antichrist which jim could be he may not be a real person i have not met him in real life yet all right ladies and gentlemen thank you very much i am dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold the matrix is a computer generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold.